0: Hi, I'm Lauren.
1: And I'm Mary.
0: We're two best friends who've known each other since we were five.
1: Now we're 30 and we are thirsty for information. And
0: hungry for knowledge.
1: Join us every week as we
0: explore two topics. Everything from organs to orgies and so much more.
1: Subscribe to our podcast to learn along with us.
0: We promise we'll have a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hi everybody. How are you today? Um, my name by- is Lauren and I'm here to say
1: <laughs> um by everybody, do you mean me, Mary? You, just the two of us? because no one else is here Wow, anymore. am I
0: not allowed am I not allowed to talk to our listeners? Wow, wow, wow.
1: Ooh, wow wow, 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 wow. I think our listeners would want to hear from me. Hey, my name is Mary and I'm here to say <laughs> let's make Lauren God no go no, no away. that's my. Thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, so me. Hi, Lauren. <laughs> Hi, Mary. We're here talking all things fraudulent, food and fashion.
1: We're going to talk about all these kinds of counterfeit fashion and knockoffs that you've seen over on uh, Canal Street and beyond.
0: And beyond. But first, yep. we will discuss but first, food, food. Food fraud.
1: So how did
0: this come about? Number one, I remember years ago reading about, like, the fraudulent fish industry and being like, that's crazy. None of the fish we're eating is the actual fish it says it is. And then I was watching this show, and it is a TV show. Thank and I, you for the clarification. And <laughs> they were talking about these, like, San Marzano tomato frauds. And I was like, oh, my God. Where does it stop, you know? <laughs> the lies. So I was like, let me let me look into this, because they didn't go into it at all. Uh, and then that brought me to the extra virgin olive oil fraud. Or no. And I was like, whoa. I mean, and there's lots of other fraud, but I only chose to focus on those three, because those were the three that were kind of blowing my mind.
1: And like the top ingredients to a delicious right. and- Italian dinner. Exactly. So,
0: you know, if you're cooking Italian like I am, uh, you know, buongiorno. Okay, so we will begin with the San Marzano tomatoes. Okay. You see them all the time on the shelves, I see them all the time on the shelves. Uh, they're always touted in recipes as like, you know, the best of the best. Um, you know, they are known for their low acidity, bright color, superior taste, sweetness. That's that's what you think of when you think San Marzano. Is this a type know.
1: of tomato? This is not a brand, right?
0: Right. It's a type of tomato. Uh, so how, how? So realistically, these are grown in they're special plum tomatoes that are grown in the Agro Sarnese Nozzerino area of Italy. And. This is like right at the base of Mount Vesuvius. Uh, there are just a few fields in the actual area that are considered San Marzano. Hey, you've
1: been there. I don't know
0: if I've been to the actual field. Though you've been to I mean,
1: Pompeii, though, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, this isn't in Pompeii. I'm
1: trying to make a personal um, <laughs> connection here, you know, you,
0: Mary, Mary, it's personal because I love tomatoes.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, You'll just like eat a whole tomato sometimes alone.
0: Okay, you don't have to tell people that.
1: <laughs> like, Lord, hey, it's not an apple, buddy. What are you doing? It's just tomato. I, know, I do that with peppers, too. Dripping from your mouth. You do that with peppers? Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: just like to paint a picture.
0: I'm just, listen, like when you picture me, picture a classy individual <laughs> biting into a side of a pepper a tomato, <laughs> just desperate for vegetable. <laughs> Okay, so here's my question to you. Knowing that there are only a few fields in that are actually considered able to grow a San Marzano tomato because it needs that Vesuvius soil, you know, mm-hmm. how many, what percentage of San Marzano tomatoes in the U.S. do you think are, are legitimate?
1: Okay, I'm going to go with um, the f- same framework I would use for champagne. So I would say, like, I don't see a lot of champagne. So I'm going to say, like, Twenty five percent San Marzano. Five percent. No
0: way. Five percent. Nuts. Um because there are only so many fields and everybody wants to use them, but you know, and they have to be picked by hand by these farmers. Oh god. Um the same variety can be grown elsewhere. Like they can sell the seeds and stuff, but it will not be considered a true San Marzano if it does not come from
1: those regions. Wow. So are these um, people th- again doing um sorry, are these people actually saying they're san marzano and they're not or they just san marzano and they're like grown elsewhere but the same um okay so
0: in europe there are a lot more regulations in the u.s there aren't as many it's not really regulated so basically if you want an official san marzano tomato i'll throw up a graphic that the new york times um has on our insta okay But basically, in order to officially be called a San Marzano tomato, it has to have grown in that special region. Uh, When it canned, it must have the DOP seal, something about the province of something something, Mm. Um, and an ID number printed on the bottom of the can. They are never sold, crushed, diced, or pulped. They are always whole peeled tomatoes. Mm. Um, But the DOP labels aren't regulated in the US, so companies will ship over, like, tomatoes from Italy, Spain, wherever. Um, And then U.S.-based companies will just slap their own label on them, even if they're not even grown in Italy. Wow. Yep, the Italian authorities are busy. They regularly seize thousands of tons of fake tomatoes about to be exported.
1: (laughs) Whoa.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting. I learned a lot about, like, the Italian police in the way that um, it sounds like they just focus on food crime. Which explains why the mafia runs everything else.
1: Yes. <laughs> Wait, that really does.
0: Um, well, that's, I just only read about the food crime because I was only researching food crime. Um, okay, now let's get into olive oil. Okay, so we're talking specifically about Italian extra virgin olive oil. Mm. What is extra virgin olive oil? It comes from the first pressing of the olive harvest and it has no additives. It's normally a bright green almost luminescent color Mm. and it's grassy it's floral it's delightful that's like a lot of work you know the first pressing there aren't that many olive groves in Italy actually Uh, Italian production is down but some people grow olives and then have them pressed in Italy Uh, so let's say how what percentage of oil in the U.S. do you think meets the legal standards for extra virgin olive oil
1: well, this is going to be disappointing, isn't it?
0: Yeah. 30%. So 75 to 80% of oil in the U.S. does n- not meet the legal standards to be called extra virgin olive oil. Gotcha. So definitely what we have in our pantries, not the real deal.
1: No. It's always too expensive, too. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just feel like I use so much oil all the time that I'm not like, I'm going to buy the best of the best.
0: Same. Uh so most people will basically mix the Italian extra virgin olive oil with other lower quality olive oils around the Mediterranean. Uh some sometimes extreme cases of fraud is just sunflower oil and they'll add chlorophyll uh for color and beta carotene so it smells like actual olive oil. Oh, great. Isn't that crazy? That sucks. Um or like it's possible it was at one point extra virgin olive oil but it's been like stored improperly. And now they're selling it for cheaper. Oh. Um, Yes. Um, The real deal is really expensive. And in order to basically guarantee you're getting the real deal, you should buy it directly from a producer. Um, The Italian police, uh, again, were really busy. Uh, They had an operation called, I'm not even kidding, Mamma Mia.
1: (laughs) No fucking way.
0: (laughs) In which they uncovered all the fraud. Uh, Basically, they just don't have... Between the U.S. Italy, they just don't have enough, like, resources to control. The fraud, like, people... Like, the U.S. FDA is concerned about, like, bad meat and people getting diseases and sick and dying. Like, they're not worried about, like, olive oil being mislabeled, okay. you know? Yeah. Um. So the fraud continues, and then people in supermarkets continue to buy it because there's demand for it. People don't want to pay premium prices. If it's from Puglia or Sicily... Um. That's where they have, like, actual olive groves. And it's, like, more likely that if your olive oil comes from there, it's real. Um, Again, but, like, yeah, if you're paying seven, eight bucks for a giant vat of olive oil, like, you're, you're not getting the real deal. You know, you can also get olive oil from, like, Spain, Australia, wherever. And that's, like, they're, like, a little more regulated there. But because Italian olive oil is considered the creme de la creme, oh, like, yes. everywhere is, like, shipping their... Picked olives to be processed in Italy so it can have, like, that stamp on it, which is stupid. Anyways, also, this is all controlled. Like, all the real olive groves and stuff, they're controlled by the agro-mafia.
1: Of course.
0: um, It is as lucrative as selling cocaine, but literally no risk. Wow. Because no one's regulating it, <laughs> and it's legal. Isn't that crazy? So I just think, like, you know, Mary... I'm still not really employed.
1: Okay. uh Uh-huh. I see where this is going. I'm
0: Italian. Um, I'm liking where we're going with all this gaudy stuff. Um, I could do it. I could do it.
1: and Maria's real olive oil.
0: Why do I have to be Lorenzo? Can I have a girl's
1: name? Oh, it was Lorenzo. It was totally made up. uh, Oh, that's even better.
0: (laughs) Um, So how often do you think that your seafood is mislabeled?
1: Honestly, I'm getting a little bit stressed out by these quizzes, but <laughs> I will comply. Stakes are low. Okay. I Half of the time, like I want it to be true most of the time. So I'm going to say
0: 75%. 75% mislabeling or oh, correct sorry, labeling? Correct labeling. Super, super wrong. Um,
1: in New York City
0: specifically, uh, I think what is it? Uh, 45% is mislabeled. I'm gonna die. Um in New York State, thirty nine percent. Uh Why? in the United States, twenty six to eighty seven percent of the time. Now, some of the labels are not like that crazily mislabeled.
1: Okay. You know,
0: but some of it is and I'm gonna walk you through it. But okay. ask your question.
1: I wanna know where they're mislabeled. Like restaurants, yes. is it grocery mm-hmm. stores?
0: Yes, both. Ugh. It's restaurants, grocery stores, sushi restaurants. No, um, most of the fraud actually occurs in sushi restaurants Damn it. um they're trying to get it for cheaper so like most of the grocery store the grocery stores are actually the best at it i think because they're more in control of like distributors and stuff like that and Wait, they're, they're the best at some of them what at labeling correctly oh, okay like large large grocery stores um i looked through the paperwork and looked at whole foods because that's where i shop and their labeling is like almost 100 percent accurate mm, okay good um so, like, they do a really great job of sourcing correctly. Um, so, some common mislabels you will see: um, grouper is mislabeled as mackerel. Sea bass is often mislabeled. Uh, it's things are labeled as sea bass that are actually toothfish. Um, like Chilean sea bass is actually toothfish, so that's allowed, but. If you're calling it any other type of sea bass, it's not. So it's like there are like some murky things. Mm-hmm. Rockfish is labeled as snapper all the time because uh, red snapper is really expensive and rare. Tilefish is labeled as halibut. And a lot of the times farmed salmon is labeled as wild salmon. So it's like not always the actual fish. Sometimes it's like where where it's been caught or if it's wild caught versus farmed. Mm-hmm. All of that. And sometimes it's like a more sustainable version of the fish has been swapped out for a less sustainable one, and it's labeled as the sustainable one.
1: Is this intentionally Mm. done?
0: Um, In some places, yes. Basically, um, 80% of American fish comes from international waters. So some labeling is bound to be accidental just because there is no tracking the fish once it leaves the boat. Like the fishermen do a great job normally, of you know listing like where the fish is caught what the types of fish are how much they weigh how they were they sustainable or not were they farmed were they wild all of that stuff is like the fisherman's responsibility then it kind of goes to a distributor it can go to like a bunch of different channels then to another like to a wholesaler then to a distributor then to a restaurant then to you know your plate or just to a grocery store that's why grocery stores are better at it there's more of a direct connection i see in Austin, every single sushi sample tested was mislabeled. What? In Seattle, all snapper was mislabeled. Um, In D.C., 26% is mislabeled. And in Boston, 18% mislabeled, probably because <laughs> they're right on the shore. Right.
1: You can't really um, copy a cod, a codfish, you know? Yeah.
0: You can't do it. Um, <laughs> So a lot, of, it's like, there's some, some accidental whatever because something gets lost in translation and again like some of these fish do go by multiple names in certain situations and there's like a whole naming chart that is very confusing um so some of that's accidental some is probably also negligence on the part of the whoever's buying it um and then some is done intentionally to you know they want to they figure people don't know and so they sell a a cheaper easier fish as a more expensive one to increase profit margins.
1: Do you think I, And that's
0: a lot of it.
1: Do you think I can trust uh, very expensive omakase sushi places?
0: Mm, I think there's a larger chance you can trust them because, like, hopefully, if that's all the restaurant does, like, they're, the chef is talking with the supplier directly. Um, but, you know, the supplier might not have talked to the fisherman. And, like, if the supplier is misled, then the restaurant is misled. I think it's probably mostly, you know, your, like, $5 sushi places. I mean, I'm sure both of us have had fish that is not what it's supposed to be.
1: I hope Um, I just didn't pay $200 a head for it for a lot. Listen, if
0: you had a good time, if you had a good time, who cares?
1: Doesn't matter. Sake bombs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I just, like, felt puke in the back of my throat from college.
1: (laughs) You brought me to my first... Um, um, You made me do a sake bomb when I was like 18 or something.
0: I know. That was like the only place we could get in without IDs. And it was Soho Sushi. And we went all the fucking time and did so many sake bombs. And one day, I projectile vomited for the first time. And it was amazing and terrifying at the same time. (laughs) And ever since then, I have not done a sake bomb. Anyways, so that's fish fraud and olive oil fraud and tomato fraud.
1: Well, I'm highly disappointed.
0: Okay, well. That's that.
1: Let's take a break. All right. Bye. Bye. Uh okay, Lauren. So, we've talked about fraudulent food. Now we're going to talk about f- fraudulent fashion. And I will just start off by quickly defining knockoffs and counterfeits because that's what we're going to discuss today
0: okay would you also like me to mispronounce some brand names so that Um, they sound counterfeit
1: yeah i would love you for you to just sprinkle that in as we go okay great so knockoffs are imitations of the physical appearance of uh, apparel but they a counterfeit actually copies the brand name or logo of a trademark. So counterfeit is super illegal, whereas a knockoff may or may not be illegal under certain circumstances. Got it. Okay, first, give me some brands you think are the most widely counterfeit in the world.
0: Louis Vuitton. Yes. Probably Prada, or in the counterfeit world, Prada. Um coach coach um, is
1: one of them. Louis Vuitton is the bi- one of the biggest ones.
0: What about GIVENCHY? I just wanted to say that one so I could say that um the fake pronunciation would be Givenchy.
1: <laughs> what was the fake pronunciation of Louis Vuitton?
0: Louis Vuitton.
1: Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the most widely copied brands are Louis Vuitton, okay. Mm. Louis Vuitton, Supreme. I was going to Roll- guess Supreme. Yeah, Rolex and Ray-Ban.
0: Oh, I forgot about watches and glasses.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a ton, like, Tiffany's, Coach, you Mm. said, Polo, Burberry, Levi's. But, like, also
0: realistically, when you're shopping for stuff on the street, like, you're not going to be like, oh, this could be real Tiffany's sold on the street, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you gotta know. (laughs) Whereas, like, if you're being hawked a bag, you're like, yeah. I believe this this could be the real deal, you know? You're not like, oh, you know, the famous outdoor jewelry just sold on the street, thousands of diamonds worth.
1: Like, what what luck I have today. (laughs) Uh, So this counterfeit industry started in the 70s with designer jeans. So designers were making super expensive jeans, and counterculture was like, well, I'm going to just make shitty jeans and put a label on it because I'm a rebel. And I'm going to make luxury more affordable. Um, So that was kind of how it began. But But that's not really making
0: luxury more affordable. That's just lying.
1: It is lying, but it's also a rebellious effort being like, oh, you want to make it expensive? Well, I can do the same exact look, the same exact trends for way Mm -hmm. less money. And look, I'm using your logo. (laughs) So the counterfeit fashion industry makes... $1.2 trillion a year.
0: Wow. Which,
1: yeah, results in an annual loss of about $30 billion to high fashion luxury brands. Does
0: it really, though? Because a lot of people buying the counterfeit goods probably wouldn't be able to or wanting to afford the real deal.
1: That could be true. Um, Like, you know, like, if I bought a
0: fake Hermes bag, like, if I were able to afford the $500,000 bag, I would, but, like, I can't. So, like, they're not really Uh, losing money from me.
1: True. Because they'd never get it. So, there is that kind of side of the argument. So, you know, some people, so while Louis Vuitton has an entire team dedicated to stopping counterfeits. Whoa. uh, You know, some designers believe that counterfeiting is a form of flattery. So, Coco Chanel actually embraced it at the time. She was like, let Hmm. him do it. Because um, we wouldn't really know about it. It wouldn't be attainable to us, like you said. Right. But you'll hear a lot of different reasons why it's not a great thing. So let's talk about intellectual property a little bit. Let's talk about knockoffs. So you know some some stores that are notorious for that straight-off-the-runway fast fashion. Like Forever 21, Zara. Oh, yeah. Topshop H&M they will literally like there'll be a fashion show and then the next day Zara's like we have the same t-shirt from the fashion show. That's crazy. So how can they do this? We talked about counterfeit versus knockoffs. Trademarks are protected in the U.S. which is only a part of the item but since clothing is technically a useful item it doesn't qualify or any kind of infringement so if you do just the t-shirt style without the logo that's okay in in europe designs are protected on the whole so you Ah. actually are protected when you create a design um so you know the uh, here we are with the other side of the argument some people say that it's okay in the US to, to, to borrow ideas because it makes for more competition uh, between fashion brands, more creativity in the fashion space, better craftsmanship. And um, now you're actually seeing fashion brands experiment with sustainability because sustainability, there's actually a label for that. Like you can't fake sustainability in the oh, United
0: States. Oh, that's cool.
1: So they're getting around it, but also, like, simultaneously, like, doing good in the world.
0: So then they're, like, it's going to basically cost these companies more to replicate their designs because they're making them sustainably? Okay. Yep. Interesting. That's pretty cool. I mean, I wish they would make them sustainably for, like, more moral reasons, but I guess as long as it's getting done.
1: (laughs) Right. And then it's just, like, it's more creative. They're making different kinds of materials and, you know, it's just trying to make it less replicable. So let's talk about the shady business Ooh. behind counterfeiting. So counterfeiting labels and designs are made in developing countries, usually from cheaper materials. There's also something called Yuan Dan goods, which are fakes produced in the same factory as the actual designer pieces. Whoa, but there's no, really? no Yeah. There's no permission to do this, uh, but they basically take up like scraps and leftovers from the actual products, produce them. Oh, wow. So it might as well be market. the same thing. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to get either. So, you know, you're walking around Canal Street in New York or Silk Street in China, and it's like, you know, this could have fallen off the back of a, <laughs> a truck. This could have been partly made from the actual factory of Dior, but actually probably not (laughs) the other thing is like the problem is with counterfeits you know business we talk about like businesses suffer losses because of you know the stolen market share but also through like lawsuits from trying to get Mm. you know these counterfeiters but also consumers it's not really fair to consumers because we're overpaying for counterfeit goods which are lower quality so we're paying for a fake logo essentially
0: Right. But so you're also creating fun. jobs.
1: <laughs> so, for, for on all the counterfeiters. that note, <laughs> on that note, we're going to go <laughs> ahead and say <laughs> it's not great to perpetuate crime. <laughs> crime. Okay, Mary, I literally just joined the Italian mafia
0: like 20 minutes ago. Sorry, so I'll like give now you a few this minutes. is coming at a bad time for me. <laughs>
1: Lauren, crime begets more crime, okay? Exactly. (laughs) You have to think about the origins of these products might be shady. The people selling it might be shady. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to give you an example. The Charlie Hebdo terrorist attack in France Mm -hmm. was funded by counterfeit luxury goods sales. Wait, how? The guns. The guns. Those people... Use the money from counterfeit luxury goods sales to purchase the firearms. Mm. I know. Let me just tell you what else I learned. Oh, <laughs> God. People who who are counterfeit salespeople or producers, whatever, are usually funding horrific crimes against humanity. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> like terrorist attacks, human trafficking, child labor.
0: Whoa. So I did not know that.
1: Me neither. So when you're purchasing counterfeit items you know it, it's not the retailer that's the problem it's the people producing those oh, items and god. they're very good at what they do so like you know crime they're super they're good at, they're so super good, good at, crime. at crime like you should see their <laughs> resume their crime resumes <laughs> oh
0: my god wait hold but, on well now that i'm in the business of crime yeah yeah no i don't, I don't want to do crime against humanity i no, no, no. just just some just some olive oil you know for me and my fam
1: I get it, Lauren. I understand. You know, you got to do what you got to do.
0: Thank you. Uh,
1: but, you know, they're they're super good at it. They're um, hard to track uh, because, oh. you know, counterfeiters, don't you know, are really good at counterfeiting customs papers. Uh. <laughs> and so, and a lot of times... Also, they get through customs in the U.S. because they don't put the full label on it until afterwards. So they actually mm. like adhere the label later. Okay, okay. I know it's pretty. It's like a Debbie Downer, if I may. Like I you just have a fake Lewis Witten, and that's what I get. Right. Just so like
0: my fellow teens know that I'm a cule.
1: Right. <laughs> so. Let me give you a couple of examples on a, uh, the large scale kind of fashion brands. Uh-huh. Um, Gucci, or how would Ducky. you pronounce Thank you. Um, they did a play on counterfeit fashion for one of their fashion shows in 2018. So they, I know, right? They put um, the word Gucci, G U C C Y. On all of their items, and then painted the word "real" on them. Whoa! Um, so they did a whole fashion show. <laughs> that's crazy. I know. Um, Supreme has a pretty hard time with counterfeits. They well, that's are... because
0: their logo is just like <laughs> any bumper sticker ever made in anywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's a, a font box. everyone has. <laughs> like, I know. It's, so it's a a white logo it says supreme and then a red box <laughs> around it so since it's really easy to reproduce one might say and it's not even
0: supreme it's not the supreme logo
1: i know that's why it's funny so they have a big problem because legal fakes have been established what wait what what wait what how what no how, so <laughs> before the trademark was filed In Italy, Spain, China, and a few others, someone else got away with licensing it. So they can sell Supreme Italia, Supreme Spain with pretty much the same products. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, so they're in the middle of many lawsuits. Uh, And then another fun thing. If you follow um, at diet underscore Prada. Oh, I've heard of them. They do a side to side Like, hey, um, Dior just had a fashion show and they created this chunky white shoe. And then on the other side, is like H&M mysteriously came up with the same design (laughs) and sold it for $30 the next day. Um, So it's kind of fun to look at that. Uh, Okay, so I have one last story for you. It's a much smaller scale um, fashion counterfeit story, but it is one I am personally connected to. Okay. Have you heard of Dapper Dan? Um, yes, but like, is that a character or a real person? (laughs) He's a real person. Oh, okay. (laughs) He's known to be a fashion outlaw. And he started selling stolen clothes from his car in Harlem. When? Um, What year is this? This is the 80s. Okay, okay. And he made clothes with brand logos on them because he was finding that's what people loved. He ended up making a whole Harlem boutique, um, creating fake Louis Vuitton, MCM, Fendi, and Gucci streetwear, um, and basically curated hip-hop fashion, which was super hmm. interesting. He made luxury more accessible to the black community. Cool. And I actually met him at the MoMA PS1. You met him? I met him. And cool. he was doing a fashion. Um, like, expose of, like, New York City um, people in fashion. And I was only just reminded of this because when, you know, we decided to do this topic, I was like, oh, crap. I think I know someone that's done some counterfeit items. So he is revered now because he did something. This was, like, very new to do this. Mm. Um, so he was the first to do this. And then one thing you cannot find online, which he told me, and I remember this because I wrote it down on my blog. Oh, he said, you know, he's he's known for attracting big-time, he called them big-time gangsters and drug dealers. They were okay. coming to his boutique for the next best garment. Um, and then he said he went from, like, making leather jackets to bulletproof jackets. Oh, which my had, God. <laughs> he had to test on the roof with one loud bang. Oh, so, my God. I know. So, you know, if you... Look him up. It'll be like, oh, he made clothes for LL Cool J, salt and Peppa, and Jay-Z. But it does not tell you the part about how he actually sold to huge drug dealers. Whoa, that's crazy. I know. Um, and then at one point, he created this amazing Gucci jacket, fake Gucci, so Gucky mm. um, yeah. jacket. And uh, it was like a bubble, kind of like bubble sleeves Mm. And one day Gucci comes out with the same exact thing. And everyone's like, mm, I'm pretty sure Dapper Dan did that in the eighties. And Gucci was like, yep, we were inspired by Dapper Dan. So they ended up collaborating with him. Oh, whoa. A Collection, pretty cool. Mm. This is the best testimony to fake it till you make it. Um, nice. So that's my story about Dapper Dan. All right, ready to sign off?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Good night. Good night. And, and leave, leave us, us alone. alone. Thanks so much for listening.
1: Listen to Learnin' with Lauren and Mary wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: If there's a topic you're interested in learning about, email us at learning at laurenandmary.com.
1: Or find us on Instagram at Learning with Lauren and Mary.